Ah, this week, lovely people, we have a rather serious conversation for you. I'd never met our guest before, but from five minutes in, I was hooked. He's charming and opinionated and something of a style polymath. His name is Gauthier Borsarello, and if you have any interest in menswear, it's a name you should get used to hearing. He's a vintage collector and curator, a consultant for brands, editor-in-chief of French style magazine Letiquette, and he's also the style director of contemporary Parisian brand Holiday Boy Low. As a young and at times quite disillusioned journalist, it was thrilling for me to talk to someone like Gauthier, who's brave with his opinions and clear in his role as a spokesperson for our industry. I can't promise you'll agree with everything he says, but I'm sure you'll agree it's fascinating. We talk about why there are no rules in menswear, why fashion journalism isn't always helpful, and why he hates the idea that Steve McQueen is a style icon. Here's what he had to tell us. Well, Gauthier, uh, we are so thrilled to be here with you in your domain. We are in Le Vif showroom. Exactly. A yeah. space that is a bit of a, a sort of a sartorial mecca for me. I've wanted to come here for years. Good welcome. Finally then. managed it. We're only here for a couple of hours, but I am going to come back. <laughs> um, and yeah, we're, we're thrilled to be here. You are the first guest that we've travelled out of the United Kingdom to meet. Thanks a lot. So excited. Me and Basile. Yeah, maybe <laughs> together. Cool, cool. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to get chatting, but I, it's difficult to know where to start with you because your resume is so extraordinary and you do so many things and you seem to be the busiest man in menswear. So, <laughs> I seem to be. <laughs> you seem to be. That's the impression that, that, that I get. Um, but I read a great profile piece about you on GQ Style last week when I was reading up for this, and I thought it might be an interesting start point. Um, the writer describes you as half treasure hunter, half artistic director. Is that fair? It's fair. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure I'm really an artistic director because uh, to me, an artistic director is someone who can create something from nothing, which is not my case. Uh, I think what I do and what I like to do is to study the past to do something good today. And I, what, I like, when I, what I like is to create a coherence in a project and to make that everything works together. But I'm, think, I'm not um, a, a pure creati creative, you know, I like to... To, to assemble things mm -hmm. and, and people so a project is really structured and, and coherent and has a sense and a sense for today and I think I'm not like I'm not um, Rembrandt or I'm not Van Gogh I would be more like a Picasso or like uh, Eddie Sliman who are people with a lot of reference and trying to to continue this line but I'm not a pure creative okay you know I'm, I'm not a Basquiat you know I don't have something in my belly that I really have to throw out I'm not that that pure. I'm not McQueen, you know. I'm not this kind of guy which I really admire and respect. I'm more like a, a library guy, <laughs> <laughs> and people are calling him to have some information and to do something good today. And I'm really obsessed with different things, aesthetic, of course, but in every way, which is music, uh, plastic art, uh, clothing, lifestyle in general. Well, uh, why don't we pick up on music? Because uh, while you are now a very a fascinating figure in menswear, you, you started your career, I believe, as a musician. Is yeah, that right? double bass player. Yeah, uh, in the Orchestre de Paris, double bass. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I played a lot in your beautiful city in the Royal Albert Hall ah, <laughs> for the proms. Very cool. <laughs> so there's some videos uh, as me with hair in the Royal <laughs> Albert Hall playing <laughs> double bass. So that's my, my old life and I liked it. Yeah. But I stopped it as passion for the product. And I have a problem is I'm not really good and interested in something that doesn't last. So food or perfume or all this kind of thing I'm not really in into, sorry. Mm -hmm. And I like things that I, I build or I, I find that are meant to last forever. That's something that obsesses me a lot. Where does that, where do you think that comes from in your personality? Um, I think that because we are six children in my family and I, we didn't have a lot of money and I didn't have a lot of things. We had great moments. We had great, uh, um, I mean, I had an amazing life as a kid, but what I missed is the things, the, you know, the product and the accessibility to things. That's why I, I started Vintage, but we're going to talk about it later. Yeah. But um, yeah, the, the, it's, I think it's a frustration uh, as a kid to possess things and to have access to something. And my wife told me once, you don't like to possess, you don't like to own, and you don't like to, you know, to, to, to possess things and to collect things. What I like is to acquire and to have the ab ability to acquire. Acquire is a good yeah, yeah, English yeah. word. Yeah, that's a good word. And I think that's why I like everything that's rare, because I like this moment when you acquire something. And when I find something I never saw and I want to have it 
And, and when I have it, it doesn't matter. And that's why I give so much things away. And I'm really bad at business. <laughs> because if you're a friend of mine and you go to the show and say, oh, I love this piece, whatever the piece is, I'm going to give it to you. And that's a, a struggle I have with my partners or in different business I, I do with, with people. So you get told off. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, say Gautier, <laughs> don't be in front of the customer because <laughs> you're gonna give prices. Just I, have it. Yeah, just yeah. get it. You know, because I know the frustration to be in love with something and not to have the money to to have it. And and I was not poor and I was not you know struggling. I had a beautiful uh, youth and I, I really thank my parents for that. But it's just the thing that we didn't ha didn't have things. But my father always said to to us, culture before money, which is something I almost get tattooed soon. Fabulous. Culture bef before money. And and I think that's something still uh, accurate today in my in my businesses and my the way I think is I don't really care about the business and the money. And that's why I'm not doing crazy money because every time I have money, I burn it. I just have to go to Cartier, to Rolex, to anything to burn it. And I well, that but that so that's what I was going to say is uh, that it strikes me as very interesting that you have, you know, if you didn't have access to these things as a child, you know, I I I'm like you. I have a tendency just to the second I've got the opportunity to acquire some menswear, I will immediately go out there and buy it, and then I'll look at my bank account and go, oh, God, I can't pay my rent now. Mm. Um, yeah, which is stupid. It, well, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you, should, you, should, you should have a chat with my mother. Um, <laughs> That's called passion. I think it's important today to have people with passion, and it's, it's a big problem today because everybody is about Instagram and not possessing, but just showing that you have it. And I have a friend who was running Colette uh, for, for a while and he said that he, he saw a lot of kids going to the, the fitting room with something, doing a clothes photo shoot and posting on Instagram, making his, you know, but it was not his. And that's, I think, a big problem today is the lack of authenticity in our business. But yeah, I think today, we, we everything I do today, and I, I hope I can do it for a long time, every business and everything I start, I try to defend an idea. And it's not to make money, but it's, to, it's always to fill a gap, to fill a hole in, in something I think is important, like l'étiquette, the magazine, like Le Vif Showroom or Le Vif Boutique, like Holiday, like everything I work for. And I say no to a lot of customers. It's not pretentious. It's just that a lot of people ask me to work with them. And a lot in the menswear scene that uh, we all know really well about. Yeah. And I always say no because to me this business is useless. You know, they, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, I mean, the people are calling me uh, is useless. Not the menswear scene. Huh? Uh -huh. But when I say is, I I want to dedicate my life to to only projects that are gonna change something in the long term. So that's why I'm not making good money and I'm not really a good businessman because I don't care honestly. And people who are following me or or checking my work, say, oh, you're so busy, you do so, so much things, blah, 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 blah. I don't feel like it. You know, I live five minutes walking from here in a very quiet, uh, almost countryside, you know, outside of the city. I walk here every morning, I have my coffee, and I work all day in my office, and I feel like living in the countryside. I'm not really... Um, I am busy, but I'm not like... Uh, I'm not going to all the stores, moving all the time, and everything. I have to be centered, and every day I have the same routine. But it's it's self evident that your your passion is what's driving you. I mean, I've, we, we've 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 literally just met, <laughs> yeah. finally, and uh, you know we've sat and chatted for five minutes. And that sense of passion is palpable. Mm. Um, but something else that interests me in, in a few of the things you've said is while you are clearly very driven and you do like to acquire all these things, and you've got this amazing vintage showroom that you cu curate and. Uh, I suspect, like me, you have a wardrobe that, that is full of beautiful things that you really value. Um, not really. Not I don't value them, but they have a value, but I don't value them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, as a, as a child, that could, you could have just be really, as you sort of matured, gone crazy and just consume for the sake of consuming, which you haven't done because you, you curate and you, place, you do place a value on everything in this room, for example. But not money value. Okay. That's, that's my problem. It's always difficult for me to put a price on things. It's always difficult to sell things. When I have big designers coming from the US or, or even France or you know, big companies, they come and they have the credit card of the, of, the, of the company. They don't care. They just want something they never saw before. And I'm a bit sad. I'm sad. It's my business now. I'm okay with it. But it's just like they, they take something I never saw before, something amazing, and just put it in the bag and they pay. And yes, there's a price on the, on the thing and I don't want to be romantic or, you know, sentimental and anything. It's just, I think uh, people are, are less and less interested in the thing and are less and less putting 
a value, but a sentimental value or something really deep into it and just put a price on it and sell it. And that's something that is difficult for me to do. I have to do it because I have a rent. I have two kids. I have, you know, a, a, there's reality after all the dreams, you know, you, you have to pay the rent. It's stupid, but you have to. Yeah. And uh, so I, I have to force myself to be a businessman. And I think I, I start to be it. But it's not my first. Um, that's not what's driving, driving me. Yeah, mm -hmm. driving me. And I think my, my strongest passion is when I open a box coming from my supplier in the US and when I see something I never saw, this moment is really important for me. Well, let's start to apply this to some of your projects. Mm -hmm. So I don't know where we start. Why, why, don't we, why don't we sort of go back to this transition from music to menswear? That's a long way. <laughs> um, uh, where, how did you get into vintage? Because I think this is the first part the first thing that happened yes. is Levy Vintage. Yes. Uh, yes. I, I'll do it quickly. Cool. Can you stop me if you think it's interesting at one point? Fine. So I grew up in a very big uh, classical family, family, uh, music, uh, cl classical music family, sorry, with very uh, important musician in it. And I grew up uh, into it. And, uh, and it was obvious for me that I had to be a musician. So when I was five to 10 years old, I didn't even realize that there were other jobs possible, to be honest, because at home it was only that. Uh, I thought there was like a school teacher or musician. <laughs> right. So I, I, I worked like crazy to be the best musician I could be, to be like my father or like my big brother, or, you know, to, to look like someone in my family. And I worked a lot to it. And I, at one point in my life, I was really a, a very good double bass player, one of the best in Europe. And I, I, I won all the contests I did and everything. So it was kind of obvious because it, it's like lawyer's family or doctor's family. It's obvious, you know, you, it's like a second mother tongue. You see? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was really easy. It's not pretentious. It's just that when you it grew in something, it's, it's natural. Exactly. So I had my first job when I was 20 and it was in a national uh, orchestra. And I realized when I had my first job that it was not for me. It was not, uh, there was not enough things to discover. And as I said, it was not concrete. There is no product. There is no something that I can touch. But it was really good money, really well made, uh, well paid and with a lot of free time. So um, that's with this money and this time, I was starting collecting uh, craftsmanship uh, things or so leather goods. Uh, I was obsessed with art. So I was buying a lot of uh, uh, 18th and, and, um, and 19th century French uh, furnitures and everything. So I was really into that and uh, it was not enough. So I changed my orchestra. I went to Paris and in Paris, uh, I had uh, four free days a week. Oh, wow. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I went to Lorenzo Cifonelli. So I was 21, I think at that time. I went to Lorenzo and I knocked at the door and I said, I have a lot of free time. I don't need money and I love what you do. I love clothes. Uh, I know I cannot make money out of it because to me it was a job and it was not my job but I wanted to be a little bit part of it right and as I was really humble and and simple in front of Lorenzo and his cousin Massimo because I was like you're the kings and I just do you have something to for me <laughs> and they say okay for no money for a good time like this I offer you to be the delivery guy the seller at the store all the little thing that it takes time and no uh, no skills uh, needed you do it so I started with Lorenzo on top of uh, of the orchestra. Oh, I didn't realize that you were way back when it, Lorenzo was one of your first sort of contacts. Yeah, yeah, in yeah, yeah. It's my first contact. Wow. And, he, and we are still very, very close and we spend our holidays together and we really, he's really one of my best friends and closest friend. And uh, so I did this for uh, um, Wednesday afternoon, Saturday and uh, Thursday and Friday, sorry, Lorenzo. And on Saturdays, I was working at uh, Edward Green, the ah, shoes, okay. with the Alex. Cool. Uh, he was he launched uh, Edward Green in France, so I was working for for him for no, like no money. We were just selling and doing the deliveries and all these kind of things. But I, the minute I was working in this business, I, this is the thing I want to do. That's Honestly, it. this is so me. At the time, like you, I was in a suit with a tie, with the perfect <laughs> yeah. shoes, you know, perfect polished and everything. I was like, wow, I want to be this dandy smoking cigar with the old English car and drinking martini. I'm really not that today. So I'm happy I'm not. Yeah. But <laughs> I've, do you know what? I've been exactly yeah. in the same place. But it's normal, you know, You're, it's like food. When you do, um, when you're a chef, you start to do crazy things, molecule things and blah, blah, blah. And at the end, you're really happy when you do the perfect omelette, you know. Mm. And I think that's the key at the end when you master your art is when you do the simple thing, you know, the simplest things. Sorry. <laughs> well, why, why don't we, let's expand the conversation then because yeah. I'm, I'm itching to get into this. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your attitude towards menswear and clothing. Mm. What, uh, 
why don't we go why don't we go quite abstract what's good style to you and what are the problems in the kind of our space today so the problem with style is something it's stupid it looks like a, a blogger thing but it's something you have into you and i think it comes with confidence and comfort and i think when you have both you look good and i think someone who really doesn't care about clothes but he's sure himself he's polite he's well educated he he, he behaves well with the people he's in, in, interacted with mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah. okay yeah if you have that and you have a, a uniqlo t-shirt and a bad jean and a pair of, of sneakers if you have that you're still elegant to me and um, i think the elegance is something that's really unfair because the more you look for it the less you have it yeah. to me yeah and i think you you have it when you forget about it so i think this sentence like um, uh, you have to know the rules before you break them uh, no brown in town all this kind I of bullshit it. i think it's important for us in our job to say don't care about that <laughs> the first thing is Uh, be polite with your wife, with your kids. Be, say thank you and hello everywhere you go. Uh, treat everyone the same way. It's not something uh, about religion or education. It's, uh, it's education. It's not mm. religion. It's just be polite. That's the first key of elegance. Is to be polite, to be open, to be sure of nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like there's no rules in menswear. And that's something. Please listen to it because Johnny Cash has a black shirt and he looks amazing in it. So you can wear a black shirt if you're Johnny Cash or if you feel like doing it. And I shoot a lot. Of of old guys in the streets all the time because to me they're really elegant because they've been looking for something in their life and at one point they, they stop looking for it and when they stop they, they, I think they, they gain the elegance so I think it's a question of culture of um, uh, how do you say this word when you're curious cu- curious oh, uh, curiosity. Yeah, curiosity yeah you have to always be curious and to always be humble and I really don't care about the way I look personally what I like is the coherence of the silhouette so today I wanted to wear a flare because I think flares are back and I like that <laughs> and I saw the Celine show and I said wow this is amazing and this is really French so I always start my silhouettes with one piece and from this piece I want to wear I try to do a, a Korean silhouette around it so today it was like a, a weird uh, Harvard uh, Uh, a schoolboy uh, in the 70s. 70s hard. Yeah, so yeah, button down from beige, vintage flares, and Birkenstock uh, weird, you know, it's... And it works. It, I don't know if it works, but I'm, uh, I'm happy with the Koreans, and I'm always like, oh, what do I project? Who am I today? I don't really care about that. And I think I'm, I'm always looking, and every morning I want to wear something different. And I think there is no Gautier style, and I don't want that. And I hate when people are messaging me on... on on Instagram saying how do I dress blah 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 and I always answer the same thing is you just if your wife or your boyfriend or if you, the people around you think that it's you it's you and you shouldn't look for more the only thing you have to do is to take uh, care about the product the quality the style I don't care and I don't give a fuck honestly about the style of my friends you'd see my friends musical friends <laughs> <laughs> in terms of style you would be surprised about people around me and I don't care because I love them and, and they don't care And that's what I like, I think, too. That's so interesting. There's, there's, a, there's a whole load of stuff in there that really resonates with me. I think you're further down your journey than I am, certainly. No, I, no. Am, I am learning slowly that uh, I'm learning to care less. I, for the first five years of my career in journalism, or in men, writing about clothes and interacting with clothes, so I think as a journalist, you, you, you are asked to know the rules particularly because I started at the rake, mm. where the rules of classical dressing mm. you must digest and then regurgitate, yeah. And I <laughs> I think, uh, you know, I've been on that journey of having to be very, very formulaic with my clothes. And we said before the microphone switched on, I spent the first three years of my career in a pin collar and a three-piece suit with a double-wristed waistcoat, blah. Mm-hmm. But that's important. Today you think it's ridiculous, but it was important in your construction. But I think you're fucked, Alex. You, you always care. You will always care. <laughs> no, it's impossible to go back. And when you say I'm farther in my journey, it's it's, it's not true. I, I think I'm I'm gonna be obsessed all the rest of my life. But I think when you are like that, like you and like me, our job is to to make the way easier to the people that are, is not their job. You know, they have something else to do, and they need some medias and some guys who really did the journey. They did the job. They they spend their day. Uh, thinking about it and try to have a, a theory about all this and to help them win some time. You know, I don't care about food. I really, as I said, as a, chi- as a child, we, it's what's only pasta and, you know, we don't have good food. We don't have fancy things. Mm. And, and I'm, I don't care about food. But when I have to go to a good restaurant with something I like, uh, someone I like, I just call my friend who is a specialist in it and I say, what's the best food for these kind of things? Yeah, and he and said, go there. Him. And trust him and I go there. And I think that's our job to care. 
Now, we have to care. As journalists, and I, obviously you, you edit Letiquette, which I want to come on because I love the magazine. <laughs> I really love it. Um, I think that journalism has real, menswear journalism has real trust issues today. And I've talked about this on the podcast previously with various other guests. The, the commercial element of magazine making is becoming more and more problematic. And it means that the stories we tell can be compromised. Mm. And I really do feel that sometimes. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm now, I'm lucky to be freelancing and pitching stories that mm. I care about and, mm. and to have editors out there in the industry that are taking them. But, um, but yeah, the problem is always money. Yeah. He's the one who has the more money, has the more power. And I think uh, LVMH and Caring are doing a lot of trouble to the menswear scene. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's not the, the thing you, you're talking about because the rec is a bit different. He's more like into brands that are independent or, you know, very good quality and blah, blah, blah. But in my business, in, in Letiquette, that's the struggle that's going to come is the pressure of the big brands and the big companies. Yeah. And the, when this day will come, I will leave. You know, because I'm a bit punk in my head, honestly. And that's what I love with the British guys. You have this independence and this strength to do whatever you want to do. <laughs> yeah. And I hope I'm like that and I'm going to stay like that. And I, I think we have to resist. And my goal today is to work for one of those big companies, but to be in charge of the product, you know, and to to put the product in front of the scene and to have a brand that's focalized on clothing and to show that it sells because Letiquette, the magazine, is selling like crazy. Yeah. We're selling a lot and a lot and a lot of copies. We're really surprised, to be honest. And I think it's good because the only thing we show is simple silhouettes. It's something you can wear every day, everywhere in France, because we want to talk to French people and not anyone else at the moment. So everybody says, ah, oh, you have to do it in English, blah, blah, blah. But if we do it in English, we're going to talk to Tokyo, London, yeah. New York, and, and that's it. Goes. I want to talk to the guy in the countryside and to say, if you dress like that at Uniqlo or in, in the poor shop next to you, you take a good chino t-shirt and a good pair of shoes and you're going to get girls. You know, and that's my key is to help the guys who doesn't care today and to show that it's not only for guys or for people of the big cities. It's not a question of money. It's a question of confidence. So guys, you have to just trust in yourself to be confident. And it doesn't mean to do a lot of push-ups and to be, you know. Yeah, to, to be in the gym every to be day. Show up. No, no, just trust yourself. And all the, the mentors of, of uh, well-made, uh, like a, a, a master of elegance in my point of view, they didn't really care. You know, they, they went to the, their tailor and they didn't care about the clothes. But Alex and, and me, we are dead. We are fucked and we're going to be obsessed the rest of our lives. <laughs> Honestly, I, I'm sure about it. And I think it's good, but we have to dedicate our life to help the others. Well, I, I am, I, I'm getting, I've got goosebumps. So I've got shivers because I, that's very inspiring. And it's, it is uh, incredibly refreshing to me to sit here with someone I've only just met who does what I do in different ways and engages mm, in the yeah. industry, who has that attitude because I've struggled to find it and a lot of other places in London. But the problem is the guy, you, you, your environment, environment mm -hmm. in menswear, they are too into themselves. Mm. And they are, they are too into Instagram and their looks and how they look at PT and how they... And it's not about the moment. It's not about the people. It's stupid to say it, but I think it's important to say it. And when you do parties with alcohol, cigars, big watches and perfect suits, it's not cool. Mm. The cool thing is to blend with the real people in the real life and to get real girls and to to enjoy life. Yeah. Because those guys uh, who are doing doing parties about alcohol and, and cigars, I, I don't understand their obsessions, to be honest. And I'm not invited in this kind of parties. Mm. And I'm happy I'm not, honestly. Mm. Because I think they're not going to change the world talking between themselves with 10 people dressed the same way, with the same things, with the same brands. What I love is to bring this kind of thing and to mix it with fashion and to mix it with real people. And I think the blending is important, honestly. It, culturally, uh, in terms of civilization, it's always stronger when it's blend. And that's what I love with, with Etiquette. We put Uniqlo with a Rubinacci and with a bespoke thing and a vintage T-shirt, you know. And I think that's the interesting part. Actually, the, the use of vintage clothing in Etiquette is fascinating because, again, it can serve no commercial purpose. Mm. You're not helping out a brand in no. doing that. No. <laughs> um, but I think it's an inspired thing to do. Um, the thing is, yeah, when I do, I have a, a, a part in my business is to design clothes for brands. And when I design something, I always think, how is it going to look in 10 years? Because if I put glue there in the color, in 10 years, it's going to break. So I'm not going to put glue. And I'm going to explain to the customer that, yes, it is soft, but that's how it's going to last longer. Mm. So I'm going to sell less shirts because it's not obvious, because people, majority of people want a straight color. I know something easy now, but my goal and my, uh, my life and my job is to educate in a very soft way and to explain, more explain than educate people that good clothes can be made today. And I'm not a vintage obsession uh, guy, you mm -hmm. know, I, I don't, I'm not saying that it was better before, 
even in most of the case it was. But I think our, our goal, uh, the vintage guys, is to try to uh, study all the vintage pieces we have and to try to produce today something as good as it was made before. So that's what I do when I, I'm consulted. And actually that, re that really uh, shows in the design work you do for Holiday Boy Low. Yeah, uh, or, or Kidur, even, you know, the, the mm -hmm. brand Kidur also. Yeah. But even for Holiday, which is a fashion brand because there is seasons, we have sales, we have, you know, presentation, we, we are really in the circle. I mean, in the in the business, uh, mm. in the fashion, uh, fashion uh, business, yeah, fashion business. But I try to put in those codes my codes of vintage and of classical menswear, uh, yeah, craftsmanship. Um, and I guess the, you also apply that philosophy to watches, don't you? I I love that you're a small watch guy because I see your. I see, is it vin you have some beautiful vintage Piaget? That's stunning. That watch. Yeah. Um, it costs I'm, nothing. I'm a small watch guy. Yeah, I saw. Uh, And it's nice to find someone who is, because my priority for a watch is that it fits under my shirt cuff. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I like. But um, yeah, I, I'm really into something that was not made before and something that has a sense. And I think today everybody's after big watches. And uh, I think it's a problem of masculinity, once again. And I think it's to show that you have a big... <laughs> But, you know, it's like uh, fancy cars or big watches. It's, it's a problem of guys trying to show to other guys that he's stronger. But when I wear a vintage small watch, all the girls are like, wow, what is this watch? Mm. Always. And I think the smaller it is, the more visible it is. And that's something weird. And when you have a Panerai that is bigger than a clock from your, your living room, you know, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not beautiful. And it's not sense because, as you said... The cuff of your shirt is going to be stuck by it, you know. So it's not, it's not just practical. That's yeah. it, you know. That's why I think that the quartz watch are back and yeah. they're going to be back strong because I think the fancy watches with the quartz in it is the future. Because when you pay 300k for a Daytona super old that doesn't hold times correctly, <laughs> you can go into water with it. It doesn't fill up the function it's made for. And if we created quartz, it's for a good reason. It's always on time. Mm. That's one, that, <laughs> so, you know, that's one thing I will say is I have a, a little trio of small vintage watches that I love that I've acquired largely through eBay over the years. Yeah. I, I wear them because I like them, but I can't use them to tell the time. Yeah. None of them bloody keep time. And there's no, it's not going to happen now. I could yeah, take yeah, it to yeah, the best yeah. watchmaker on the planet and I'm convinced it, they wouldn't keep time. <laughs> but you're right, they're lovely objects. And, uh, but I think that in the future, the, the case and the... Um, The way it is made, so the, the, the material, like gold is going to be back, I think, for, for guys. And I think that uh, uh, diamonds and everything that's super well made and, and uh, you know, precious by... Uh, huh, I don't have the word in English. Precious, uh, intrinsically, uh, intrinsically. Intrinsically. Exactly, yeah. Mm. Everything that's rare because it's really rare is going to be more and more important. So uh, I think uh, um, a hoodie in cotton uh, for 800 euros by a fancy brand, rare because the designer wanted to be rare. I think people are going to plug their brain and say, that's stupid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But if you have it, uh, you know, because the material is super rare and it has to be handmade, so it's rare because it's rare, that's the value of it. And so I think the watches... Um, I have the bad example today because I'm going to leave for vacation so I took my diver watch with me but usually I always have a gold watch on uh, very small because I think the, we have to give back the value to something that has a real value because it's valuable and rare and not because a human decided to be rare mm. so that's why I love diamonds I love gold I love crocodile shoes I love this kind of thing because yes it's tacky but it's been worn by guys in the 70s because it's uh, wealthy guys because it was really rare but when I see a kid with uh, a $1,200 uh, sneakers and think it's cool it's not cool it's really stupid because it's giving value to something that has not intrinsically yeah. <laughs> values no intrinsic value So, um, I can't. I couldn't agree more with everything you're saying. <laughs> it's just but brilliant. it seems obvious, but I think it's not obvious for everyone. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah no, I think. I think it. I think it's. Yeah, you're definitely. You're singing from your own hymn sheet. Let's <laughs> say that this is an interesting perspective to be putting out there, and I'm loving it. Um, I wanted to, to throw an interesting idea at you, which is that um, there seems to be a, a, a bit of a. A paradox, shall we say, in in what we've talked about, which is that we evidently sort of you. I now completely believe with you that there are no rules in menswear. I've signed up to that school of thought, um, and that it's it's not about overthinking things and obsessing with, uh, over your clothes and the details and your tie knot and mm. your jewelry and all the rest of it. But it is important, I think, to study and as a vintage curator or as a uh, you know, I guess a, a menswear a guy that's doing all these different things in menswear and designing, you do have to study everything. Of course. So how do you balance almost treating menswear as an intellectual exercise mm -hmm. with 
forgetting about it and just letting ideas pop into your head and so bravo Alex because you're good because <laughs> <laughs> it's a very good question and it's obsessing me and when I study as you say menswear I don't study menswear I study sociology around it so when I when I study about uh, Gary Cooper or about Churchill or about Steve McQueen or about any any icons like this or styles I always um think about why do they wear that at this time? What's the ec um, economical and sociological uh, um, moment? Uh, you know, uh, even the wars, even the... I'm sorry, my English is so bad, I, no, I can't express my ideas. It's good. But when I, when I want to say is not the style that interests me, is why the guys are it's, wearing it's this at this time. everything around it. Exactly. What, uh, Steve McQueen was not trying to look like a guy from the 30s. He was in his time, you know, and he tried to wear... I hate Steve McQueen. I hate his style, I hate what he wears, and I hate what he did in his life. I hate this guy, and I cannot stand that everybody's Holds taking him. him. Yeah, he was beating his wives, he was drug, uh, drug all the time, he was a, a spoiled child, I can, you know, no. Don't get it, <laughs> don't get it. But uh, when I, what I'd li love to study is why the guys who are uh, between 40 and 50 today, he w they want to have his watch, his car, everything, they're obsessed with him. And I think it's a frustration they had when they were a child. So what I try to study is why the guys are, are buying this or that. Mm. That's really interesting to me. Why the flares are, uh, does exist? No one knows why, uh, who created these stupid pants, you know, with the flares. Yeah. And once again, it's military. It was on the decks of the of the boats in the U.S. Navy, and when the, the you have water on on the on the deck, you yeah. say deck, yeah. If you want to roll really fast your pants, it's easier when it has this shape. Oh, because otherwise every wall is stronger and stronger. And so did they used to call them bell bottoms? Or exactly. Made that yeah. Up? yeah, that's bell the, bottoms, that's the, yeah. the military bell bottom. It's just it's just easier to to roll up. That's it. So it's a technical thing. And then the, the in the 70s, they took this um, this imagery and this phantasm of this um, sailor guy, which was really gay. You know, I mean, in in uh, in terms of iconography, yeah. Uh, the 70s were really gay, really feminine. very liberated. Exactly, very feminine uh, sexual revolution. And they took this aesthetic of the of the sailor, which was really sexy, mm. really with the, the hips really. Uh, yeah, uh, really tight, tight and, and shaped, and, and then this flare. So it came back in the in the seventies. But see, it, it is definitely having another moment, isn't it? Because there's so much dialogue around sexuality today, which there exactly. needs to be, and it's exactly. a good thing. Yeah. But um, I have literally just written a piece for, which I think will actually have come out by the time this records for for one of the jackals in London, the Jackal Magazine summer newspapers on why men should get into silk shirts, mm. because I think they're still really a fringe item for a lot of guys. And I love silk shirts mm. and I like silk shirts because they're a little bit androgynous mm -hmm. and they make me feel sexy. Mm -hmm. And I just sort of think, you know, if, if uh, I hate the way that it's an uncomfortable idea for a man to be in a silk shirt, uh, if a woman can look stunning in a beautifully tailored trouser suit, a guy can look really loose and cool in a silk shirt. Of course. And I think there needs to be more dialogue around that, those exactly. kind of ideas yeah, exactly. in, in fashion today. But I think the, the jury is coming back, the, the, everything is going to be tighter and tighter uh, because we were so into the men thing, the big watches, the big shoulders in the suit, you know, I'm, yeah, a man. Yeah, I'm a man. And I think it's not sexy for a lady. And I think a lady is gonna, she's really in love with a confident man. And a confident man is a guy who is comfortable with the fact that there is a feminine part in him. And it's good to be sensitive and it's good to take care of your child. It's good. That's mannish and that's sexy. And n no, to me, brilliant or educated woman is gonna like uh, a very strong guy pushing up, you know, and to have big body yeah, like yeah, this. Acting up. You know, it's not, I think it's not sexy in my point of view. I read something in a British newspaper last week and unfortunately, I can't remember who wrote it now. <laughs> or maybe it was on a podcast, actually. Maybe it was a podcast. But someone said last week, and it stayed with me, the age of the alpha male is over. Mm. What a great idea. Yeah. I, I think, I'm, I'm behind that. But you know, the sexual revolution did something to the guys in the 70s. They were really feminine, really, you know, really gay, you know, David Bowie, all this kind of vibe was really cool. Yeah. And then they had to show to ladies that they were men because all the ladies started to work with them. They, were, they, they started to wear suits. So they had to be like, whoa, 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 we get, they're going to st steal our thing. So we have to, to wear some Armani suits with big shoulders and to have some beers yeah. and to be and men, you know, like in a the counterpoint 80s. To it. Yeah, exactly. Mm. In the 80s, 90s. And now I think we are back to something more. Feminine, yeah, I think, and Eddie Sliman is doing great things at Celine lately. Cool. With flair, you know, very tailored jacket, super tight, really Gainsbourg, you know, mm -hmm. really tight and yeah, really that, feminine. Gainsbourg is my... It's the figure that comes to mind when we talk oh, about this, isn't it? Yes, awesome. he's so good. Well, let me... Um, <laughs> I, I wanted just to broaden the conversation out a little bit because... Uh, 
I, the Parisian menswear scene just seems to be on fire at the moment. There's loads of cool stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, there's Letiquette, there's all the different things you're, you're doing. There's Beige Havaya, who are going to come on the podcast. Mm. Uh, why has why Paris just taken off as a sort of a menswear hub? So this is going to be extremely pretentious. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're braced and ready. I, I'm from Sicily originally, and I, I've come from a large family and everything. And I think the change that has been... Um, operating, I mean, th- that happened lately in Paris, is the federation. It's the first time that all the guys in the same business are federated and working together and not against the other. So when you say husbands, when you say beige, when you say chiffonelli, when you say l'étiquette, when you say le vif, holiday, all this, they're all my friends. We are a crew and we are all friends. And I think it's the first time that we federate and you're so stronger when you're a, a big number like this. Mm. And if you go to a husband, he's going to say, oh, you have to go to Le Vif and Beige. If you go to Beige, he's going to say, oh, go to Holiday and go to... We always try to... Our fight is to change the mentality in menswear. It's not to make money and profit. And I think that's the big difference is the, um, it's the goal. The goal is not to have a big success. Otherwise, I would be working for LVMH for a long time. And there, I have some offers and something from, from brands. And I don't want to do that because I want my crew to, to grow and to be stronger and stronger and stronger. And I think that's the difference. And I, I started L'Etiquette with Marc, uh, Marc Boger, my, mm-hmm. my partner, mm-hmm. um, with this idea to say we have to federate everyone and to, to be stronger together to have a point. And I think London has been really strong in menswear. Then Italy was you yeah. know, blowing with the PT Uomo and blah, blah, blah. And I think Paris is back. And I think the, the Parisian aesthetic is back. And it's something extremely subtle and difficult to get when you're not from here. And I was talking with Dick Carroll, you know, Richard uh, yeah. in, in New York, and he asked me, can you define it? And, and I cannot define it. I can list the thing that the, the Parisian war in the 70s, 80s that defines the French style. But it's really difficult to get when you're not from here. Yeah, God I, knows I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's a, it's a lot of pre- uh, pretentious. Uh, how do you say the yeah, word? Yeah, pretentious. Uh, no, it's a lot of, what the, the common word for pretentious? Pre- uh, gosh. I don't know. Pretension. Yes. I, yeah, pretension. A lot of pretension. Yeah, exactly. Fine. There's a lot of, um, you know, we are a bit pedantic. We are a bit distant, you know, French. This, this, it's all uh, quite part of the fun of it, isn't it? Yes. But I think it's, it's the thing in, in, in the menswear too. We, we take something English or American and we make think people that it's ours, you know. We have these kind of things. And I think the, 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 the best era in, in France is 1780s. When we, there's, there were a lot of money, a lot of education. We were not ashamed of making money com- compared to today. In France today, it's a shame to make money mm. and we try to hide it all the time. And I think we kill the, the, the panache out of it when we don't want to show it because I think it's cool to have a Rolls. It's cool to have a Cartier bracelet. It's cool to show when you have money and when you, do your, you did your money with something you've, you've done. Yeah. To be proud of it, you know, and not be proud to, of what to, you've yeah, achieved. And to spend your money in good things. And the French style, I think with Basile from Beige, we, we really into it and we yeah. try to defend it. And, you know, at Beige, they almost no French brand, but what no. they do is extremely French. Yeah. And I think that's the French style. And it is, it is so difficult to put your finger on. It is, in, I, but, but that clearly is really working because to be perfectly honest with you, I, I think beyond a year ago, I had some awareness of French heritage brands. You know, I'd visited Chiffonelli. I'd, I've written about uh, Lorenzo a couple of mm. times. I've written about Chapal. I love Chapal. I know Corte and all these other mm. browsers. But I didn't know about this scene that you're in. And then Honestly, we almost, created it because it, did, it was not there before. But that's the thing, right? Like a year ago, you, I just sort of became aware of you and everything mm. you're doing. And it's really ever new, since, Alex. It's really new. Every, but it, everyone in London now, everyone in our sort of community is so into what you're doing. It's just ballooned overnight. It's extraordinary. It's really nice to hear because it's a lot of work. But it's, it's first a lot of friends. Because by myself, I have no value. I'm just a vintage dealer. But me, plus Basile, plus Husbands, plus Chiffonelli, plus Charvet, plus Weston, plus blah, 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 we are a community and we are, f- we are not fighting because it's not the world. We are offering something different. And that's why we wanted with l'étiquette. We needed a media because all this we are doing for years, but we need the media to show it. And what changed everything was l'étiquette. When l'étiquette w- was out, it was like, whoa, who are those guys? Yeah, it's really, where's this come from? This style is so obvious, that's what I want to wear. And I'm not at PT Homo with a three-piece suit. I'm not in Sweden with beige suits. I'm not, you know, you know what I mean? No, I yeah, respect no, all I, those kind of things. I know, I know, I get It's you. difficult for people to, to project themselves with something so strong. You know, mm-hmm. it's really difficult for them. And we try, try to take this geek nerd scene and to mash it and to give it to the mass yeah. in a positive way and to make it easier to the mass to, to digest. 
Where is, where's Letterkett going next then? What else is coming? Uh, so uh, number three is, has been shot from an American. It's still the same photographer, same stylist. There is no ego in Letterkett. That's something super important. The key is the styles. And unfortunately for you, the papers, because we, the, the company that owns Letterkett is called Sopress. It's one of the, it's the biggest independent uh, company, press company in France. Uh, it's called Sopress. It's really, really impressive. The guy in charge of this is called Franck Hanez and he's a killer. Like he's 35 or 40 and he killed the game in the press in France. Amazing. <laughs> Everything is in the... Uh, SoFoot is his major magazine about football. And uh, we went to see him with Mark and said, we have this idea. He said, okay, I trust you guys. Here is an envelope. Do the number one and we'll see. And we, <laughs> we blew the thing. <laughs> so we were super happy. So this was a year ago. The number three is coming out in uh, October. So it just was a year. It's going to stay like that. Cool. Because to us, there is nothing else to say. It's just like dress like this this winter, dress like this this summer, and that's it. We're not going to say in February you have to wear some dots. So it's just or some it's biannual and that's it. Exactly. And it's going to stay like that. It can be some extra things just for summer or just for special events. Uh, we have a podcast that's really cool in, in French. I'm sorry again. <laughs> uh, but uh, we are in the podcast. The key is to not talk about people. From the, from the business. It's only uh, actors, uh, artists, writers, uh, journalists, uh, but interested in clothing and try to understand how they dress every day because some are really nerds about clothing, but mm. they cannot push it too hard because in their environment, they would be clowns So for them. So they have to um, always find the balance be between their passion and the reality of their life. So I think that's super interesting in my point of view. Uh, how do you find balance? I've, you have to be smart and humble, I think, and open. And when you are like, a, um, I don't know what, uh, like a, an accountant and you arrive with a three-piece suit and a pink tie and the perfect uh, polished, when you go to the coffee machine, you know, the uh, Jennifer next to you, she's, she's going to say, oh, this is a weirdo. Yeah. Oh, this guy is just the tweet guy. No, I've been he, there. Yeah. I've been there. And it's cool to be strong and to, to bring something, but you have to bring an idea and to be confident, you know, and to be... And some people, that's them, you know, and they're not pushing, they're not forcing. It's just... They're only confident in a three-piece suit, and I think that's really cool. And I'm not saying yeah, you have to quit the suit. Of course, yeah. my message is don't push too hard. Don't don't try to be someone you're not. I've been there. Honestly, I've been to suits. Then I worked for WRL, the Ralph Lauren Heritage brand, and I was like a 40s guy and a 50s guy every day, and it was ridiculous, I think, today. But I, I think I found myself a mix between vintage tailoring you know, that's always my middle. It's uh, something uh, half classic, half vintage. Yeah. And that's how I, I like to be dressed. And um, and the journey is never over for people like us, Alex, honestly. But we have to dedicate our life to help the other guys because that's our job. And the other guys, like the accountant, accountant you say, yeah, yeah. they're going to help us. The business guy, they're going to help us. Or the food guys, you know, it's just... I, I I'm genuinely inspired by that and I feel like I could probably talk to you all day but I'm gonna <laughs> I think we need to save this for another another something uh, but the the last question I did want to ask while we're chatting is do you think there's anything else then that guys like you and I need to be doing to help our to help the people that read what we do or listen to what we do i think you're you're working strong enough and what you do you have just just to continue yeah you know enough you just have to push and to work for a project that you think are bringing something in the future and that's just the diff most difficult part for us is to listen to the mermaids you know don't listen to the mermaids because when, you, when they see that you have a community, that you're strong, that what you say has a sense, you're dangerous. Honestly, it's not, of course, we're not talking about petrol or, you know, something really dangerous with yeah. real money because the thing is, there's no money in menswear. That people, you have to understand. <laughs> <laughs> they, it's, a, it's, a, it's a scene that has not really big power because it's not making big money. So what we have to do is to fight, to be strong and to, to, to be um, focused on what's the message we want to carry. You know, and that's that's the, the most difficult part, I think, is when you interview someone, just think about what his business is. And I, I'm not going to name people here because I, I'm not a, I'm not a bitch, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't want to. I don't want to work for, for some people in the US uh, who try to steal good ideas and to make just a, a logo brand about it and to 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 push just an idea and to make money out of it. And there are a lot of, of, of those guys today. And we have to keep the, the juice really strong in our, all for our business. 
And that's what I tried to do. And I could be in the center of Paris and make a lot of money and do a vintage stores. And I had crazy offers, to be honest. Mm. And I, I don't want to. I'm outside of Paris. I'm in a little village. Slow life is really my, my passion because I'm, I'm someone who is really fast and excited and everything. And to me, it's important to, to step back and to, to, to live quietly. And I, I try not to listen to the mermaids, you know, and to, money is a problem. To be honest, money is is something people are really attracted to, uh, to big watches. I had a big, big, big um, uh, watch brand call, uh, called me, uh, it was like two or three months ago, mm. and said, we give you two watches and we don't ask you anything. We just want to, you to wear it. And when you're photographed and everything, just... Just try to it. to show it and it's I say no you have to keep your watches and it's 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 difficult because they're really expensive watches it's yeah no it's, it's, it's tempting it's tempting. It's tempting oh yeah and I have a lot of temptation from from bad brands I'm not gonna name again <laughs> but um they say oh we have to do a collaboration we have to do this is the kind of money you can make with us blah 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 and it's really difficult to be strong to say no Mm. No, really, no, no, no. And that's why I, I say thank you to Basil, to Nicola Gavard, to Lorenzo, to all the guys around me, because we, I would, I would lose my credibility uh, with them. And I think our crew is really strong because every, every time we have someone uh, talking about us or asking us something, we call the other ones, say, is it a good idea? Should I do that? With Basil, it's a constant thing. You know, we, we leave each other at 2 a.m. every day almost because we are really focused on what we do. We're really passionate about what we do and we try not to do mistakes. And that, that's the problem, Alex, is just to be focused and to have a line. You know, have to, have to follow the line. I'm not a religious man, but I think religion is something that is lost lately. And I think it's a problem because people are just focused about money and fame. And, you know, all my followers on Instagram is almost a problem for me. It's not a problem, but it brings It's uncomfortable, offer. isn't it? Yeah. I, and it I, brings, I, um, I understand what you're saying. You know, I love, I, I get a lot of inspiration from Instagram. I'm very grateful for the too. platform. Yeah. But I do sometimes wish I didn't have to to devote so much energy to it. But it's important. Mm. It's important because I, that's something I wanted to say. We are not. We cannot kill the beast by criticizing it. We have to be in the beast. We have to to manage the beast and then to show what we want to do. I'm not against big brand, but I want to do is to be. Um, uh, friend with them and to help them to do something better because to be a hater on Instagram and say he does something bad he does something I could do it all day long because there's two or three people in Paris that are copying everything I do literally every time I do something they do something is the same I could have posted a lot of things about it yeah. and honestly sometimes I did and I cancelled it immediately because my ego was talking uh, on my behalf but it's difficult to be always trying to do something good mm. and really pure and everybody is copying in a bad way and making something uh, just mercantile about it, that's really upsetting me. Yeah. Well, what I, I, what I will say is, our, I guess our final note is I do uh, tell myself a lot, and I've been telling myself a lot recently, and I do think social media is a big part of this. There is enough negativity in the world. Exactly. Uh, I don't want to add to it. I try not to in my writing. I would rather not, not have anything to say than say something negative is my general outlook. Exactly. And I try... And what's something we're trying to do with this podcast is to pr pr promote fascinating ideas and have interesting conversations and throw some positive energy out there. Um, but you, you never win by criticizing something else. You, you win by offering and proposing something different that is really deep into you. And that's l'étiquette, that's le vif, that's holiday, that's qui dure. Everything I do, I really believe that is going to change something in the future. And I want to capitalize, capitalize, mm -hmm. yeah, with, with all of this kind of thing. And as you said, you have, we have to stay positive and not talk about what's bad, but to offer something good. Otherwise, you're just a, a forumer or a blogger, you know, and it's, it, there's no point yeah, doing it. It's meaningless. And yeah. I have been truly swept away by that, Gautier. That was genuinely inspiring. <laughs> Thank you very what, much. What a first conversation, given yeah, that we've never chatted last, before. But maybe like next time there is no microphone and we, yeah, yeah. we get drunk together. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back soon. Yeah, yeah, great. Welcome um, in Paris. Thank you so much for taking some time out. <laughs> of I, course. I'm sure that everyone would have been fascinated by that conversation. Great. Thank you very much. And hello to everyone and trust yourself. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks a lot, Alex. That's all for this week, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Just a reminder that this podcast is produced by Birch, a London and New York-based creative agency that creates innovative campaigns, websites, and brand identities for clients. Please do check out their work at thinkbirch.com. Joe Boyd is our sound editor and theme music maestro. Hear more from him by following at This Is Joe Boyd. 
If you have a spare couple of minutes this week, please leave a review for us on iTunes. And if you want to reach out, ping me an email to alex at handcutradio.com. Let me leave you with some rapid-fire answers from Gauthier. These are quite something. Gauthier, bit of quick fire. Uh, we're going to start. Absolutely, we're going to start with what's the most precious piece of vintage you own? In front of me, the Abercrombie sixties uh, hunting patchwork set, worn by Hunter S. Thompson, uh, the the writer, and uh, in the movie, uh, what's the name of the movie with uh, Johnny Depp in English? In French, it's called La Vegas Parano. Oh, I'm rubbish with movies. Exactly, yeah. Cool. How do you say it? Fear in loathing in Las that's Vegas. Our, that's our sound editor's voice. Viewers. <laughs> Joe's, Joe's making a cameo. Um, <laughs> thanks, man. <laughs> so that's the most precious and the one really not for sale. And uh, Abercrombie called me to buy it and I said, I'm sorry, but no, because I have it's the yours. pants and the jacket. Perfect size, dead stock. Amazing. So. Um, should a guy wear the best of yesterday or the best of today? He should, he should mix it, but if he has no choice, the best of today. You go to Beja Beer, to Holiday, you mix it and you have, and maybe a bespoke suit, something like that. But yeah, I think today is good to, to buy what's made today We've got by the good people. Because vintage, it's a niche, it's difficult to find, it's not always clean, it's not the good fit. So if you're a regular guy and you don't have time to spend, you go to the best shop around you. Cool. Uh, what keeps you going when times are tough? All my friends, honestly. I, I think in everything I do, the most important thing is the humans. And the moment I spend with them, uh, really honestly, uh, when I when we are in our day with just a white t-shirt, a uh, swimsuit, and we just do barbecues and have fun. Honestly, it's not. I mean, it's not marketing. It's just the truth. <laughs> That's what I truly like. And if I was doing what I do today by myself, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't be happy. I would be back to seller as a friend to have fun with my friends. Cool. And, and that's what I said for Paris. It's only good because we are a bunch of friends. Cool. And finally, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Shut up and work, I think. Love it. Go <laughs> I was you. talking too much. And then <laughs> <laughs> Shut up and work. I love that. Thank you again for coming Thanks on. Thanks a lot. I loved it. Welcome anytime. <laughs>